If you're feeling more like roommates than soulmates, it's time for the Legendary Marriage Podcast. You long for a deep, fierce love, the stuff of legends. But overwhelm, fear, and doubt keep holding you back. But this is your life and your marriage. This is the legacy you will be remembered for. So we are on a mission to inspire and challenge you to live the adventure of a legendary marriage. This is episode 35 of the Legendary Marriage Podcast, and we're your co-hosts, Danielle and Justin Williams. This is the podcast for couples who refuse to settle for an ordinary marriage. We know what it's like to want a great marriage, but not quite sure where to start. So each week, we're bringing you inspiration, encouragement, practical ideas, and of course... A challenge that will help you build more intimacy and connection in your marriage. And we'll have a whole lot of fun and laughter along the way. So before we started, um, we had the Wizard of Oz soundtrack going in the background. Honey, pretty much every time we record a podcast, the Wizard of Oz is going in the background. Yes. Because we always record our podcast at night and our daughter needs... The she, Wizard of Oz soundtrack to fall asleep. Yes. She, <laughs> our five-year-old falls to sleep, falls asleep to Judy Garland. And tornadoes whizzing around and, you But know. it's not like just the music. It's... Part of the it's movie, It's the too. whole movie. Yeah. It's just the audio track from the whole movie. It's kind of weird. So every time we go to record the podcast, I don't want it to be like... <laughs> well, you know how, like, they say, like, on Beatles music or something, like, if you no, play no, it, there's, no, no, like, no, no, secret no, no, no. tracks in it or something. Something. No, or you if play you, the music backwards or something. No. Hey, if you play the Legendary Marriage podcast backwards, you will hear the Wizard of Oz. Inspiration, encouragement, and a <laughs> challenge that will help you build more intimacy. And a whole lot of laughter along the way. No, but... Uh, anyway. Yeah. But um, I am thankful, very thankful today for a respite from Super Summer. Oh my gosh. It started yesterday. Well, super summer. We had a had a, a storm cell come through. Oh my gosh! And it's like it's like joy raining down from heaven, honestly, because it's been a hundred degrees for many, many, many days in a row in Austin, yeah. Texas, and we get this storm that comes through, and it's like eighty degrees, and it's like um, like ants well, attacking a piece of watermelon yeah. or something. Everybody flies out of their house like, whoa, I can breathe. I can, I can run. I can ride my bike. Yeah. It's like, a like brand a new world. Like a group of vampires going out at dusk. <laughs> All of a sudden, the streets are flooded with people because it's it's only eighty and ninety degrees. And it happened like again today. It was oh my gosh, two miracle days in a row. I'm Whew. just super thankful. It was, it was crazy. Beautiful. The air conditioning isn't running right now. Yes, and but tonight we did have a rough night. We had a rough night tonight. I mean, Wizard of Oz kind of cheers you up and makes you feel a little bit better, but. Justin is on strike from all projects. Uh, I have been, uh, in essence, since Allie was born. Well, we we went through a time when we bought a new house and we renovated the whole house ourselves. And so I think we kind of burned out on projects for a while. Well, it's just I have different priorities now. Yeah, that's true. But anyways, he went to put up a ceiling fan and, you know. A used ceiling fan. Yeah. Let's be clear. Well, that has, now, that has now cost us more in time and energy than it would cost to just order one on Amazon and have it. I here. know, but she's so cute. She wanted hers to be aqua and white, just like her room. Sure. We and could have ordered one on Amazon and either had it aqua, 
and white or painted it when it got here. Anyway, well, well let's I'm not... still a little. It's still a little fresh. I don't mean to. I don't mean to be a jerk. It's a little ouchy it's because just natural. it's still not up. And she was like crying herself to sleep. But we'll we'll, we'll move past that. Yeah. Oh, honey. Um, All right. So we have uh, today's article is three benefits of having couple friends. I love my couple friends. We have we have stated that couple friends can be finding like a unicorn or something. We've been talking about what we call tribes Mm -hmm. all month this month in our academy program and on the podcast and everything. And a tribe is just those those people who are closest to you, your refrigerator friends, your, the people that you trust with the key to your house or to take care of your kids, thing, things like that. You're going to call them at three in the morning if the crap hits the fan. And in that vein, couple friends. So, Th- number three, three benefits of having couple friends. Number three, it creates a support system. I love that because yeah. you know what? You can turn into, like, if you're left to your own devices, you can turn into a hermit sometimes, especially when things get tough and, you know, you're busy with kids and all that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. um, you need those other people to encourage you and call you forth. So, love it. Absolutely. So, number two then is overlapping friends protect your relationship. You know what's interesting is we have some friends where we're really good friends with the man and the woman, both mm-hmm. of us. And um, if I if I sat down and started bashing one of the other couples like, oh, she always does this or he always does that or, you know, whatever, um, you would say, Hey, honey, that's your best friend. Like, what are you doing? Um, And there are best friends. And so don't, you know. And if in a moment of frustration, I sat down with him and was like, man, Danielle's making me crazy because of this, that, and the other thing. He'd call me out on it. Yeah. He'd straight up call me out on it. Yeah, because I'm his friend too. Mm -hmm. So why are you going to be bashing his friend? And now the number one reason, Mm -hmm. number one benefit of having couple friends, this is really interesting. It increases your attraction to one another. Well, I think there's a lot of truth to this. So if you go out with your couple friends, you know, as opposed to like a date by yourself, you know, you can have a couple date or you can have a date by yourself. If you go with a couple, you are usually on like your more entertaining behavior. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you're not just going to sit there and be a bump on a log, which sometimes you can be. Sure. I mean, specifically, you can be. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Honey, I'm just trying to get your goat. Are you still upset about that fan? Stop talking about the fan. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, yes. So, you see the sexiness in the other person. We're like, hey, they are fun. Yeah. So anyways, so I love it. benefits of having couple friends, get some couple friends, even though they're like a blind unicorn. And you gotta if find you them. want our free guide on how to build your tribe, you can find it over at legendarymarriage.com. Yes. And we give you a plan on how to do it. Just follow it step by step. And um, so today we have on the podcast, Nikki Tucker, and she talks about some ways to have, you know, otherwise awkward money conversations 
and just really get you on the same page with your spouse. Mm -hmm. Money can be one of those areas where it's a little tricky to do such a thing. So today on the show, we've got Nikki Tucker. And as a lover of finance and simplicity, she's formed the firm approach to... With two eyes. Yes, with two eyes. To help female breadwinners reduce stress and increase confidence using a simple approach to get their financial affairs in order. The firm approach uses action-based education to make sure you and your family are more financially engaged and prepared and planned for unexpected life events. Yeah, so 15 years of experience with private family office, wealthy business owners, and teaching at-risk youth about personal finance. Um, Nikki has a unique perspective on the importance of making financial-related matters more practical and approachable. So let's welcome Nikki. Well, we are joined by Nikki Tucker. Welcome to the podcast, Nikki. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super, super excited to talk to you tonight. So Nikki, she runs a business and it's all about money and the firm (laughs) approach. So Nikki, tell us a little bit about your business. Yeah. um, The firm approach, I I call it a noun and a verb. So the, the name of the company in itself is the firm approach. And it's a financial resource company that's intended to help female breadwinners get their financial affairs in order. I love it. How did you get into that specific uh, niche there? That's a really good question. So I love math and money and finance. Okay. And it's been that way since I was a little, little girl. So I was the nerdy kid that liked to play with calculators. Oh, I love it. You know, the 10 key calculators with the adding tape? Mm-hmm. Um, I love those things when I was a kid. <laughs> That's amazing. You weren't one of those boys that was like spelling naughty words upside down. You were like for real. <laughs> yes. Yes. Let's talk about the numbers. <laughs> so yeah. I ended up going um, to college and majoring in finance. And then I got an MBA after I worked in corporate America for a while in financial services, actually. So I've worked for a private family office. I've worked in commercial lending with private um, business owners. And I've also taught financial literacy for over 10 years. So it's, it's all about the numbers for me. Yeah. So it's always been in your blood. Now I'm curious about your audience, the female breadwinners. I mean, it's, it's such a it's such a great audience. I love that. But here's my question: is like, is that um, is that a weird thing to sometimes negotiate with their husbands? Like, I make the money, and you like, do their husbands stay home, or um, what is most of your audience? Tell me about those ladies. Yeah. So most of my audience actually, and it's a pretty good mix of married and single. But Mm -hmm. those that are married, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're the sole breadwinner. So you could be a breadwinner, just meaning that your household is reliant on your income, or you could be primary breadwinner, or you could be sole. So any of those categories actually fit. And what we found out probably within the last 10, 20 years that women are working more, women are going back to school and getting their education, um, higher degrees. And so that is making them much more prominent 
in the workforce than ever before. So just because you are not the sole breadwinner doesn't mean that your contributions aren't important. Yeah. And um, it's a good point that, you know, maybe if you thought about traditionally, like back in the day, you know, the stereotype would be like, you know, the men take care of the money and, Mm -hmm. you know, the women just kind of go along with it or whatever. Um, Yeah. What um, what has shifted for these ladies that they're like, oh man, I need to really know about this. Yeah, it it they they definitely have a keener interest in feeling secure in their future and in themselves, um, their their own self esteem, their own self worth. So there's a direct correlation there. Some of it is just due to need and necessity. So people that have experienced a first marriage and gone through a divorce. And the, that's a traumatic experience. And maybe their first husband could have been the sole breadwinner. And now they realize, oh my God, I need to earn my own money. Right. So second marriage, they're just much more aware of finances and the role that they should be playing when it comes to money. So I, I think that has a lot to do with it too. Now, it's it's funny because like with the couples that we work with, it seems like a lot of times money is like that number one thing that oh, either yeah. leads to fights or leads to divorce, or maybe it's just that thing you, you don't really want to talk about. You kind of avoid it. Um, <laughs> have, have you experienced some of that in your life? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. People, the, the, the saying that money ruins marriages, like it's true, totally true. It, it's still the number one cause for arguments um, and ultimately the demise of some marriages. And it is one of the reasons that I'm really passionate about it because it doesn't necessarily have to be. And if you get a lot of things out in the open very early on and mm-hmm. can to make it a part of your marriage as opposed to this overwhelming issue, mm-hmm. um, then it, it just makes things a lot cleaner and a lot smoother. And I, I like things to be clean and simple. So <laughs> it's all got to add up. The numbers yes. got to add up. Yes. It doesn't make sense any other way. <laughs> so what do you think is like holding a lot of couples back from really diving into that whole money conversation? Yeah, it's, it's a couple things. And even though when you think about money and you think about math, there's, there's one answer. You know, there's no real gray area when it comes to, to math. But when you put money and math into a marriage, then now it becomes more of an art than a science. Oh, yeah. I think people tend to lose sight of that that there may not be a definitive answer. There may not necessarily be a right or wrong. And when you talk about compromise, this is one of the areas where you definitely have to compromise. And one of the issues that that I see, and I've experienced this in my own marriage, is when you think about someone's money story and you ignore, they could be red flags, they could be yellow flags, or they could be green flags but you ignore them. And here's what I mean. A person's money story, we all have our own unique money story, is made up of our experiences when we are young, mm-hmm. um, our parents' experiences with money and how they treat it and how they talk about it and often how they don't talk about it. And then also what your overall principles are, your financial principles and your life values. All of that makes up a person's money story and their approach or their financial philosophy. 
So when you have a couple that has two totally different financial philosophies, that's usually when you end up in a bunch of arguments because you think very differently about the approach to money. And so if someone is not willing to take the time to one, understand their partner's philosophy and the story and why they feel the way they feel, and then also recognize that it's not set in stone. Your past financial mistakes or your past financial experiences don't have to dictate your success in the future when it comes to money. And people forget that all the time. And now I'm so curious. So you're married and you have a son and um, what does your story look like compared to your spouse's as far as the financial story goes? Are you guys pretty much on the same track or did you have different? So there are a lot of similarities in how we were raised and I, I don't come from money. My husband doesn't come from money. And as far as some of the, the primary values and principles, we were aligned there. So ultimately, we want, we want to make sure that, that we're secure and that we're able to provide for the family and that we can eat and we have a place to live. All the basics are covered, right? Um, but there was some separation in our approach to money as far as spending and saving and simple things like credit. So I had probably a head start than most people have because of my experiences and because of my background and the fact that if I pick up a finance book to read it, it's exciting to me. If the average person picks up a finance book, they throw it in the garbage <laughs> because they, they use it to prop up their nightstand yes. or something. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> it's a great like tape coffee table book or something. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> but it's super dusty because nobody ever opens it. Nobody touches it. Unless unless you're having company and then they want to look really intelligent and sophisticated and they bring it out. Let's talk about the stock market. <laughs> <laughs> So that was that was really interesting for us in the beginning to try to get more aligned and figure out, okay, are we going to have joint accounts? Are we going to have um, separate accounts? Are we going to have a combination and do sort of a hybrid and have one or two joint credit cards and then one or two um, joint banking accounts, a savings and a checking, and then separate everything else? You have to figure that out early on. Mm-hmm. And Sometimes I feel like couples try to force it because of tradition. Like, oh, we're married. We have to automatically merge everything. Mm-hmm. No, no, you don't. You don't have to. You can choose to. But mm-hmm. if your financial philosophies are totally different, until you get on the same page, it may make sense to keep things separate. And then as you work through things and you figure out, okay, we're trying to reach the same goals. We understand the common purpose. Now we can merge things a little bit better and not fight over how much you spent on a sandwich or a watch or whatever the case may mm-hmm. be. So I like the idea of just kind of that buffer or learning period right. where you're super intentional about what is it that we're doing and getting on the same page before you just propel yourself out into the you know, debt abyss or whatever it is. <laughs> the scary, scary land. The scary land. So yeah. what would you have um, 
for those, those tricky conversations, those money conversations, you know, for couples that maybe aren't so familiar with it, or it's not super comfortable for them. um, What advice would you have for them to improve their communication around money if they haven't really been doing it? So there's so many different paths that a, a person or a couple can take, and it has a lot to do with their communication style. Um, and, and what they're comfortable with. But as an example, one of the, the things that is easy for me to make a connection with is personality styles. So I've been in sales before. And when you're in sales trainings, they talk about personalities that people have. So when you're talking to someone and you're trying to persuade them or convince them, then you have to recognize who it is that you're talking to. Okay. Mm-hmm. If don't, then your job becomes much more difficult in order to get them to agree with you ultimately. (laughs) On your side. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. So you need to make them feel comfortable. You need to make sure that they trust you, that they trust your motives and kind of get them to use your ideas in their own words. That's basic selling. So in a marriage, you, you have to do that. When you're trying to get your husband to do something that he may not want to do, you use very similar tactics yeah. <laughs> and, and persuasion skills to do that. So if I'm thinking about it from a personality perspective, there are four primary personalities if I use the animal characteristics. And I think about those four as far as dolphins, urchins, whales, or sharks, okay? Okay. And An urchin is someone that's very detail-oriented. So they care about the facts. They care about statistics. And they just want to know, tell me what I'm getting. No fluff, no filters. Mm -hmm. A dolphin, they're more concerned about just having fun and enjoying life, maybe being the life of the party. And they're not that concerned about the details. Mm -hmm. Uh, A whale is very interested in helping helping the greater cause, making sure that we're reaching our goals together. What can I do to rally the team? I just want to play my part. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then a shark, a shark tends to be more dominant. They tend to be more aggressive. They tend to be more goal oriented. So they just want to know what's the final destination and what's the quickest way to get there. And you cover all the other stuff and let's let's just win. They they tend to be more competitive. So if you put your spouse in one of those four categories, as an example, again, you don't have to use this method, but it's a method that... Yeah, that may work. yeah I like it. So if you think about your spouse as, as one of these types of animal personalities or, or characters, and then you think about the corresponding description, then you talk to them in that way. So for example, if I said my husband is a dolphin, which he kind of is, mm-hmm. he's a very outgoing guy. He's an extrovert life of the party type person. If I sat down and inundated him with stats and facts and numbers, his eyes would probably glaze over. Yeah. Said, on the other hand, I think I have a way for us to take more vacations. I think I have a way for us to have more fun and enjoy life, maybe a little bit differently than what we've been doing. If we try this plan, then I automatically get his attention and likely get his buy-in quicker than I would just talking about stats. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's great. That's a great tip because I feel like I'm probably a dolphin. If if I heard more vacations, I'd be like, yes, please. (laughs) 
What are you the urchin? Oh, totally. <laughs> totally. I don't know if I even had to ask that question, but yeah. Um, and it, interesting that you were, you were talking about your husband, but of course, like I'm sure a lot of our listeners, you know, you have aging parents that you're having to deal with their kind of money situations. And, you know, that applies to, are there anything, you know, you always hear of the, you've probably heard of this, Nikki, the wiped butt syndrome mm-hmm. that is, you know, parents don't want to listen to you. They have no, <laughs> they don't want to listen to anything you have to say because guess what? They, they used to wipe your butts. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you talk to aging parents about money when, you know, maybe it's their retirement's running out or, you know, how do, how do you deal with those kind of situations? So it, what's really interesting about this question is my, um, how I was raised. And unless you know me personally, most people would never know this, but I was actually raised by my grandparents and my grandmother, both of my grandparents were ill. My my grandmother had multiple sclerosis. And so she was paralyzed basically from the waist down and a lot of activities that your grandmother would normally do. um, She just wasn't able to do. And so she involved me in a lot of activities that related to, I won't say the afterlife, but I will say emergency situations. So she would say, Nikki, this is where the checkbook is. And I'm talking when I'm 11, 12, 13, 14 years old. Nikki, here's where the checkbook is. Um, Let me show you how to write a check. Let me show you where the life insurance policy is, just so I would know. And that spoiled me in the sense that I thought, I'm saying this in the, in the nicest way possible. I thought all old people were like that. I thought all old people just said, hey, let me just show you. Yeah. <laughs> Everything. It was just a normal part of life for you. It's normal. This is so totally yeah. normal. But, and, I, and I came to find out, obviously, that that was abnormal. Okay. But I have such a sensitivity to it because I think that it is, the onus is on the adult. The onus is on the parent. The onus is on the grandparent to make sure that the burden is lessened as much as possible if anything happens, okay? Mm -hmm. And losing someone is already emotional. It's already stressful. It's already overwhelming. So to have to deal with questions about where's mom's bank account? Where's grandma's bank account? Do we know if she had a pension? Do we know if her beneficiary information is up to date? It's not the type of conversation you want to have when it's too late. This episode of the Legendary Marriage Podcast is brought to you by the Legendary Marriage Intensive. Rediscover the heart of your marriage. If you love each other, but you've lost heart, then it's time for the Legendary Marriage Intensive. A beautiful mountain lodge, three days of clarity, purpose, adventure, and renewing your love for each other as you forge friendships and transform your marriage forever. We'll help you look at the story of your relationship with fresh eyes so that you can fall in love all over again and resolve some of those long-standing and recurring conflicts while you craft a clear, fresh vision for the next season of your marriage and your family. Oh, and you'll have some epic adventure in the mountains and a romantic night on the town. It's deep, rich learning, adventure, and plenty of laughter. That's the focus as you forge friendships and build the skills and tools to transform your marriage and your family forever. October 19th through 22nd, 
Breckenridge, Colorado, and we only have limited space. So find out more and apply at legendarymarriage.com slash intensive. If you have questions, email us at Danielle and Justin at legendarymarriage.com. And now back to part two of our interview with Nikki Tucker. One of the main things, and this sounds really, really simple, but one of the main pieces of advice or suggestions I have when you incur those types of people, those types of parents that are resistant is to find out why. They're uncomfortable about talking about this for mm-hmm. a particular reason. You need to know why. Are they scared? Are they worried? Are they taking it for granted that everything will just fall in the place? Usually it doesn't. Something mm-hmm. gets missed. Someone's confused. You know, ignorance is not bliss when it comes to these situations. And so continuing to be very patient, you can't force anyone to talk to you about it, but continuing to be patient and just say, hey, when you're ready, I really want to talk to you about this. I just want you to know I'm feeling uncomfortable. This would make me feel much more comfortable. And again, use the personality thing. It doesn't have to be on a spouse. Your grandmother is an urchin, a shark, a dolphin, or a whale. Your grandfather is an urchin. So use those same methodologies on them. Yeah, what are the, you said there are certain things that you need to know, like the life insurance policies and all these. What are those certain questions that you really need to know the answers to? Because you said somebody dies and you're just out of your mind. You have no idea which ends up. So what are those questions we need to know the answers to? There are a couple key questions that everyone um, should know the answer to. And if they don't know the answer to off the top of their head, they know how to get the answer relatively quickly. Mm-hmm. So one of the things is how many accounts are does a person have, does a person own? The number of accounts and the institutions where the assets are held. That is super basic, but super important. Mm-hmm. No one wants to miss out on money that's intended for them, on money that could be used to cover expenses, whether it's long-term care expenses or burial cost um, or funeral planning in general, or if that money is intended for the grandchildren or it's just needed to maintain a household, you need to know where the accounts are. You also need to know about beneficiary information and making sure that that's updated. So, My stepfather passed away recently, and when he was sick, I was talking to my mom saying, make sure that everything is up to date. Make sure that everything is up to date. She said, okay, okay, I checked, I checked, everything is good. Well, I talked to her maybe about a month ago, and I said, did you change your life insurance policy? Because I know he was listed as a beneficiary on her policy. She goes, oh, no, I didn't do that. I'm pretty sure I reminded you (laughs) to do that. If something happened and, and I'm not callous or cold when it comes to death, but there are only like two guarantees in life, death and taxes. That's about it. Right. Right. It's going to happen. We don't know when, and I just want us to be prepared. So if something were to happen to you tomorrow, mom, think about how much more stressful it is trying to go through probate or something because you did not update your beneficiary information and you don't don't have a will. Like those things are really important. So the document, the documentation piece, the list of accounts, and then 
specifically for married couples, and this is something that's not covered a lot, but it's important for married couples to know their financial net worth. Do you know the actual number? And the reason that I say that's important is because how can you measure your progress? So when you're in school, you get grades and you end up with a GPA. And as you go from freshman to senior year, you can see how that GPA is changing for better or worse. And you can measure your progress. Well, things like your credit score and your, your net worth is a way to measure your progress and your level of responsibility when you're an adult. So you need to know those numbers if you're trying to reach your goals. I like it. I like it. And now, um, interesting that you talked about, you know, the amount of accounts and everything. We recently had gone through, well, not so recently now, but a financial class where, you know, it was one of those things where it's like, go ahead and try to close down all your credit cards. And a lot of people aren't even aware of how many credit cards they even have anymore. You look Mm -hmm. on your credit report and you're like, Sears card? When the heck did I get a (laughs) Sears card? (laughs) Oh, yeah. I still owe $200. What are you talking about? You bring up in your firm account, in your um, firm approach, like you don't want to clone your partner's story. Tell me about that. So I mentioned earlier knowing um, what their financial philosophy is, Mm -hmm. their background, their experiences with money, if it's good or bad, why or why not. And Usually in a marriage, there's one person that's more dominant than the other. Mm -hmm. It's not good or bad. It's just a reality. And what tends to happen, especially when the man is more dominant, the female will assume the money story of her husband. I'll give you an example. So let's say the, the wife has been relatively debt averse. Okay. She's a saver. She does doesn't necessarily want to spend frivolously because it's just not in her DNA. But her husband, mm, not so much. (laughs) So there are nice shiny objects that gets his attention and he decides that he wants to buy them or that that he needs them. I love that word when men use that. Like, I need this. This is, I have to have this. And so it's usually a new iPhone or something. Something Uh, I have to. (laughs) Yes, I have to have this. Yes, it's usually a tech gadget. And and so if we use something as simple as as a cell phone, maybe he doesn't necessarily need it, but he wants it. But you all have joint accounts, okay? And he knows that if he makes the purchase, because iPhones cost what seven, eight hundred dollars, if he makes the purchase, then you'll notice. You'll notice. So he figures out a way to convince you against your financial beliefs and philosophy and for all intents and purposes against logic to buy an $800 phone that he doesn't need. Mm -hmm. And that happened over and over and over again. And so now his financial philosophy or his money story has become your money story because you are operating in a way that is not pure to who you are. You're Mm -hmm. not a spender. You're not a person that believes in going into debt, but because there are emotions tied to within a marriage, well, you love them and you want them to be happy and you care about them and you're his wife. And so it's your, it's your responsibility and your job to, to make them feel good. And so you end up spending money, you end up being in debt 
because of that, you assume your spouse's money story. And this works for men and women. So I'm, I'm just using an example. Yeah. It's so easy to, it's so easy. And most people don't realize it until they're in a bunch of debt or their credit score has deteriorated a little bit um, or their savings account, the balances have dropped significantly. And then they go, oh my God, how did I let this happen? That's how. That's how. Or it's just they don't want to talk about it. <laughs> like, like about I don't want to have an argument about it. Fine. Just get the phone. Whatever. And then it builds resentment and a whole other ball of crazy. Exactly. And that goes back to, that's why I use the example of, of it happening when the, with the dominant person. So mm-hmm. when you have someone that is more dominant, usually that other person doesn't want to confront them. They don't want to have that fight because nine times out of 10, they're going to lose anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Nikki, this has been so informative. I feel like I, you know, got a full education here from, I'm glad you read all those finance books. So I didn't have to, it was beautiful. (laughs) I did it for you. It was my gift to you. Thank you for all, from all the ladies out there. Thank you so much, Nikki. Um, So just a closing thought. So obviously this is a legendary marriage podcast besides, Mm -hmm. you know, the awesome wisdom that you've already dropped here. Any any uh, thoughts on what does it take to build a legendary marriage? I think that there, there are two components that are really near and dear to my heart. And obviously there, there are lots of things, you know, lots of ingredients that go into a, a good, good pot of soup. But um, when it comes to marriage, transparency is so, so important. And it's it's hard for us to accept the truth and the, the truth literally, it hurts our feelings sometimes. So we don't want to hear it, but allowing your partner to be transparent with you about how they feel about a particular situation or what's going on, money situations, past, present, future, give them the space and the comfort to do that. And then you also need the space and the comfort to be transparent. If you don't like the way something is going, whether it's related to money or not, it could just be dinner, then you, sh- you have the right to be transparent, really. You, you, it's more than a right. It's the responsibility. Let me rephrase that. You have the responsibility to be transparent because to your point, when you're not, you end up being resentful. Mm-hmm. And you have all of these issues and thoughts in the back of your head that no one knows about because you didn't say anything. Mm-hmm. And then it boils all the way up and you blow up and, and they're like, what? It's been that way for five years. I never knew you had an issue with that. <laughs> well, I've hated you for five years you know, and you know that. Exactly. <laughs> You're just now getting that. <laughs> the, the second thing is emotional intelligence. And in my mind... EQ is highly underrated, okay? So kudos to people that are book smart and even those that have basic common sense. But when it comes to emotional intelligence, I feel like we all can do a better job of being much more intuitive about who we are and how we think and how we operate. And more importantly, uh, being prepared for our partner and how they think and how they operate. And so when you get into conversations, you should kind of already know how they might react and not judge it necessarily and not 
getting to a debate or a conflict over it, but have the patience and emotional intelligence to be able to work through it. So the, the, the example that I gave about the animal personalities with the dolphins and the sharks, mm-hmm. that's an example of using your emotional intelligence to your advantage. It's strategic, mm-hmm. but you're just being mindful of who you're talking to and what's important to them and why they're built the way they're built and in, in turn, why they might respond the way they respond. So emotional intelligence takes work. It's not something that you necessarily can grasp overnight. Some people are better at it naturally than others. But those two things are super important. Yeah, I love that too. And it's like, how good does that feel? Even just like you you said your husband's a dolphin and it's like, you right, talk about right. vacations and traveling and everything with them. How good does that feel to be known? Like, mm-hmm. Know me at the core and what I'm about. I'm about yeah. being playful and having fun. And that feels you good that you're speaking to my heart. Like, I love that. It's not yeah. a manipulation. It's just, it feels good. So Nikki, this has been really great. How can our listeners find you? Great question. Well, I hang out in a couple places. So um, you can go to the website www.thefirmapproach.com and firm is spelled with two I's. So I should make sure that people type in the right URL, but I think even if you misspell it, it's fine. You'll still find me. (laughs) And I'm also on Facebook. So we have a Facebook group called the Firm Approach Heroes and I can be found in that group. And I create a special gift for your audience. So some of the things that we talked about today, there's a checklist for couples, it's a financial checklist and you can go through it and just make sure that you get an A. We talked about grades, right? So make sure yeah. you get an A when you run through the checklist. Um, and if you go to www.thefirmapproach.com slash legendary, it's there for your audience to grab. Oh, I love it. Man, we better get that. We better get that one for ourselves, I feel like. <laughs> Well, Vicki, thank you so much. And of course, we'll include all that in the show notes. So in case you missed that, you'll get that there and make sure you grab that freebie. Nikki, thanks so much for joining us tonight. And I feel like our audience is quite a bit wiser now. So thanks. Oh, you're very welcome. Thanks for having me. It's been a blast talking to you. I love how Nikki really makes the tough subject of money sound like it's actually doable to talk about with your spouse, to talk about with your parents and your grandparents. And, you know, it can be a scary subject. Like she said, you know, number one uh, reason for divorce, Mm -hmm. money fights, you know, money misunderstandings. So I can understand why people shy away from the conversation. Sure. But she really gives you some good ways to understand one another. Yeah. And I love how she said, know your spouse's money story. You know, everybody comes from a background that wasn't necessarily your background growing up. Sure. And, you know, if you grew up having money or not having money, you know, it really informs, you know, are you going to sign up for credit cards? Well, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's your, your family of origins uh, not just the, the habits, but the beliefs and the mm. mindsets, even the spiritual, uh, spiritually, what you think about money, mm-hmm. uh, it's it's handed down from, from generation to generation. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so uh, like when, when she was talking about being able to talk with your parents or your grandparents and, and think about that, like think about what it does to the nature of a family to get everybody aligned mm-hmm. and to be intentional about it, to actually really talk about money's role in your lives and in your hearts and everything. Uh, like that's what stuck out to me. And it's really cool too, because money is a really good excuse just to uh, set priorities yeah. too. Yeah. Like when you're talking with your spouse about money, it's like, she had mentioned to her hu- that her husband's a dolphin and he likes to travel and, you know, things like that. What? Remember the dolphin and the urchin and the whale and the shark were the different types of personalities yeah. that the person has. And I, so I still, I still just giggle a little at that, but, yeah, but yeah. it's good. It's absolutely yeah. great. <laughs> um, and so you speak to that person as you know them. I mean, how good does it feel to, it's not a manipulation. Like she said, it's just, you speak to them like, you know, them and you know what makes them tick. And that's really cool. So you speak to the spouse in their personality style. And I think if I were to take a gander at us, wait, I I think you gander in there. I thought you said dolphin shark. (laughs) No, I never heard her talk about ganders or geese. Or, and no. Well, you know, what's good for the goose? Good for the gander. Did it, did Honey, I think right, you're a shark. take your shot. You think I'm a I, shark? I think you're a shark. I'm always moving. You are. You're darting. Yeah. Blood and in the water, you go for it. And I have pointy <laughs> teeth. I know. Kind of scary. And I think I'm a dolphin. Uh, yes. Yes, you are. Yeah. I like the fun. I like the... Yeah. the lightheartedness of it. So it's a good thought, not only in money conversations, but just any type of conversation where you want to get on the same page. Yeah. Know their personality and what they're coming at. And you know, I, what, one of the things that struck me is the way she talked about money not being black and white. Mm-hmm. Like in a marriage, it's, it's an art form. Mm-hmm. It's, it's two people trying to paint a canvas together. Yeah, it's not always two plus two equals four. Yeah, it's not paint by number either. (laughs) Dang it. I love paint by number. You know, I think one of the things, problems that uh, couples have that we had early on Mm -hmm. was when we would do a budget, we were trying to do the perfect budget. Like we were trying to go, these are the proportions and percentages and everything that according to the standards of this and that and the other thing. Sure. And we were trying to create a formula mm-hmm. instead of a recipe. And, you know, we've come in our, in our, our years of experience now um, to understand formulas aren't all that great. Yeah, it's like, I feel like the formula is a jumping off point. Like, it's a good place to start. Don't get me wrong. You definitely have to have that structure of a budget um, as a starting point. But like you said, each person is, you know, you're going to tweak it here and there because it's not a science. It's more of an art. Another thing that came up in that interview was just how your past does not dictate your future success. Mm. In money, in relationships, in your career, in anything. Yeah. And like, I got to confess, I was stuck in that kind of limited thinking for a long time. Oh, yeah. I, had a wo- I have a wounded place in me around something that had me stuck. And when I get, when I start spinning out, I get to this place of, of saying, you know, well, because this is, n- I've never been able to be successful at this thing. Mm-hmm. I never will. 
and and it's just a terrible place to be and a terrible kind of a mindset or even spiritual agreement to make. Yeah. And you know what? As your spouse, as your wife who loves you very much, it's very painful for me when you go there. I mean, it's not about me in that situation, but it's honestly painful when um, I see you playing yourself down or playing small or beating yourself up when I know that your potential is pretty limitless and you are just focused on what was happening in the past instead of what's sure. what we're aiming at. Yeah. And um, I love how she said, your res- it's actually your responsibility to be transparent about money. She was referring to um, how you and your spouse, um, you know, he may like that shiny new iPhone or, you know, maybe get a new car and get a new big car payment and you just want to go along with it because you love him and you want him to be happy. Let me just respond to these two things Mm -hmm. once and for all. Sure. I buy a new phone when my current phone dies or when somebody wants to give me one for free. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. I would love to have a shiny new car. Sure. But I will not take on any other payment. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. So... Well, so I'm glad we had that conversation. Now we're on the same page, honey. But um, I love how she just said, it's your responsibility. Like, if you just go along to get along on that kind of thing, um, it's going to come back to bite you, and it's going to be your fault, basically. (laughs) This is foundational to, to what we do, is helping couples talk about the things that are important to them, to their lives and their marriage. Mm-hmm. And money is so essential. Yeah, it is. It's one of the serious big ones that, that you absolutely need to strap on those big girl pants and those big yeah. boy pants and have those conversations. And if you follow some of the tips that Nikki had for you, it's not going to be that tricky. It's yeah. going to be, it's actually sounds like it'll be a lot more enjoyable. You know, this isn't so the thanks, first Nikki. time. <laughs> that, yeah. This isn't the first time we've talked about money on the show and it certainly will not be the last. I know it's got a, it's kind of a big deal. Yeah. And I love how she gave, uh, our couples a couple's financial checklist to make sure you're yeah. on this, on the same page about the nuts and bolts of your finances. So make Freebie. sure freebie yeah so that's your challenge this week that's our challenge this week is to jump on there um we'll include the link in the show notes but make sure you grab that couple's financial checklist to make sure you're really on the same page about the nuts and bolts in your finances you can find the show notes the the link to that uh couple's financial checklist and a whole lot more at legendarymarriage.com slash 035. Yes, it's episode 35. And make sure to jump on our free community in Facebook, where we'll be talking all this week about the ins and outs of conversations with money with your spouse. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the Legendary Marriage Podcast. We're thrilled to have you with us on the adventure. This is Danielle and Justin reminding you, Don't settle for an ordinary marriage. Make yours legendary.